0: Welcome to Animal Chat, an Alberta SPCA podcast discussing topics about animal welfare, animal behavior, and animal protection. I'm Dan Kobe, and thank you for listening and for being passionate about animal welfare in our province. Today's podcast is dedicated to talking about the risks our pets face right in our own backyards and in our homes during the summer months. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Vicki Janes from Heartland Fort Veterinary Clinic in Fort Saskatchewan about the types of health challenges they see at this time of the year as pets get into trouble right at home. Dr. Vicki Janes, thank you very much for joining us today. We're talking about uh, common issues that you may see in your clinic with uh, dogs and cats, um, things that they may get into trouble with in their own yard. Um, we'll sort of separate this into dogs and cats separately. So uh, when we're talking about dogs, what issues do you see coming in Things that people should hopefully be aware of so that they can prevent their animal from getting into trouble in the first place.
1: Absolutely. So um, thanks for the intro, by the way. Um, So out in the yard, um, and and if we're talking about an enclosed yard in particular, um, we're looking more for um, trouble that dogs can get into um, that are almost always there. So there's always going to be, you know, maybe someone threw something over the fence or a magpie dropped something. Um, But for the majority of the time, the toxins tend to come from things inside the yard. Um, In particular, we have a lot of issues with plants um, and uh, depending on the weather so this year will probably be a pretty bad year for the little mushrooms that grow the fairy rings in the backyard Um, there's a lot of wild mushrooms that have toxic potential in terms of causing some stomach upset maybe some diarrhea um, but don't actually harm the dogs internally and then there are some some mushrooms that can cause um, some toxicity concerns that are a lot more dangerous Uh, and they're very difficult to differentiate just by appearance so there's a lot of great um, uh, uh, pictures on the internet of what the different mushrooms look like because some of those little white mushrooms in the backyard are not really all that scary um, but sometimes they can be if they're growing out in a field. Um, we also have a lot of plants that people don't know I myself do not have a green thumb if it doesn't ask me to feed it a couple times a day I probably won't remember Um, so uh, for myself I don't know a lot of the plants that are growing in my backyard Um, I bought the house it came with beautiful greenery um, and my my pets do try and chew on a lot of the plants that are out in the backyard Um, and so just knowing what you have in your backyard in the event that your pet gets sick um, will really help in terms of knowing whether or not that plant had a potential for toxicity. Um, A lot of them are just things like nausea, diarrhea, um, but there are still a lot of plants that can actually cause some kidney damage um, both in dogs and cats. Cats, not as much in terms of being out in the backyard. Most of the time, cats are, are very good about being supervised. They're on harnesses, they're on leashes, <clears throat> they're with owners in particular. Um, but for, for dogs, a lot of them are the ones that are a little bit more mischievous than others.
0: Right. Curious, I like to get into things for sure. What are the, the top plants uh, that can cause serious health issues for your dog?
1: Uh, so, lilies is our, our biggest one, um, and the scary thing about lilies is it takes very, very little amount of plant to cause some serious harm to both cats and dogs. Um, and in addition, it's every part of the plant that can cause toxicity. Uh, so, a lot of times, you know, people will, will call and say, Well, my cat just sniffed the lily and has some of the, the little um, middle parts on their nose, but they, we didn't actually see the cat eat it. Um, but sometimes, that little pollen that sits on their nose when they sniff the lily and then afterwards they groom themselves sometimes that's enough to get them into some serious trouble so um, lilies would probably be our number one toxicity both um, plant-wise indoor and outdoor Um, but depending on season we have a lot of Easter lilies we have a lot of poinsettias yeah poinsettias can cause a lot of toxicity Um, those are mostly again just vomiting and diarrhea Um, they don't cause any sort of kidney damage but it's just something that people don't really think of when you buy a plant or you gift a plant to someone um, and they can cause some potential harm I've had quite a few of my family members gift me lilies because I love them but at the same time I just tell them I can't have those in my house because I know my cats will go after them so um, there's there's definitely those two big concerns I would say are, are our most common in regular practice
0: any others in the garden that you see sometimes that cause issues that are, are ones for people to watch out for?
1: Yeah, so um, in the garden there's, and um, you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember the names of them, but there are um, a few plants that the taxonomic name um, is the, the part that I don't know. Um, but um, things like, I think it was Diefenbachia um, is a big one that can cause um, toxicity and kidney damage to, to cats and dogs. Um, and uh, there's a lot of others that just can cause some concerns like choke cherries um, the ones that fall off the trees they can cause again some tummy upset but not necessarily toxicities but we do consider it a toxic part of a part of a plant um, and I know for sure um, we have some some little choke cherries out back here um, and every time I take my dogs out outside the clinic the first thing they want to do is eat the choke cherries that fall off the trees um, so it can can cause some some mild concerns my own pets have had diarrhea from it um, but it's just one of those things where they just pick them up so fast that you don't even know that they're actually eating it all of a sudden you look and they're chomping on something and you're like oh my goodness again (laughs) yeah
0: uh, any vegetable or fruit type plants that cause problems yes
1: yeah, so not really in this climate in terms of like cherry trees and things like that um, we don't have like our regular cherries it's only the pit that's toxic um, and crab apples and things like that it's only the the seeds that are toxic so actually eating the fruit itself is not harmful um, but that being said some of the fruits and, and vegetable varieties inside our home that we're purchasing for ourselves to eat can be highly toxic to pets Um, everybody knows of course of of things like um, chocolate and onions and garlic those ones are very common a lot of people know that they're toxic Um, but things like grapes um, and certain types of celeries and things like that can be toxic and they're not things that you would normally um, uh, think of as a a toxicity concern Um, and in things like grapes we don't actually know what the toxic component is is some dogs could eat a whole bunch of grapes and be totally fine some dogs can eat one grape and have some toxicity so um, it's always a thing that I would say err on the side of caution and just don't even don't even try and give them two of them as a treat if one falls on the floor the race is on see who could get it faster hopefully you Um, and then you just don't have to worry about any potential concerns
0: now if your pet you suspect has gotten into something like this Because there's such a range of toxicity, whether it will have a, a major impact on them or maybe just upset their stomach do you always recommend them bringing them in just to be certain or is this something that they can sort of manage at home and watch Yeah,
1: absolutely so I always recommend um, if your pet got into something and you don't know if it's going to be a concern um, the least that you should do is call the veterinarian and see what to expect um, a lot of times those toxicities are self-limiting so like the poinsettia you know you might have some raging diarrhea for a few days but as long as they stay hydrated and they're continuing to eat okay um it should just get better on its own. um, Versus say if a pet ate a lily, um, then regardless of how much they think they did or didn't get into, we always recommend coming into the clinic and checking their kidney values, putting them on some IV fluids, that type of thing. So um, the least you could do is call um, and then we can tell you whether or not to be concerned and what to expect with it and and how much to watch for before you should get concerned. Um, So it's always worth a, a simple phone call.
0: Rhubarb? Is rhubarb a problem? I, I, I read is, yeah. it might be a problem.
1: Yep, absolutely. So um, mostly the leaves are, are the biggest concern. So same thing for large animal. We only deal with small animal here, but um, large animal is a concern as well. Um, we do have some um, certain plants that can cause what we call oxalate toxicity. So they create crystals or stones within the urine um, and uh, can, can harm the uh, reproductive, not the reproductive, of the urinary tract um, in in that regard and so um, rhubarb can be things like that. Um, We also can see it if you're feeding normal um, uh, green vegetables like spinach can be high in oxalates and things like that Um, but they would have to eat a lot of it on an ongoing basis for those concerns so um, sometimes we don't worry too too much about those things and it depends on the volume as well that they're eating. Um, Most rhubarb plants like the the leaf itself is not delicious um, so they might take a bite or two and then you know change their mind about whether or not they want it to continue so it's not a huge concern that we see in, in small animal practice.
0: Anything else in the backyard or maybe a garage that you, you see coming in, uh, yeah, in, in animals? For uh? sure.
1: Um, I would probably say, um, and it was always a huge concern um, prior to legalization. Um, but of course, with legalization, people are just more open about it. <clears throat> so marijuana obviously can be a very big concern, um, and especially to now that it's legalized, right, um, we can see people that do find things like that that are just out in the field, right? Um, so if you're taking your dog for a walk, if they're at the park, um, there's always times that there is just little little ends of things around and, and dogs do seem to have a, a propensity to eat those things. Um, and again, it may not be something that you notice right away, but the, the clinical signs for that one are pretty obvious. And so it's probably one, our, one of our most common and also most concerning toxins even though um, the animals themselves are relatively safe um, they tend to get very Tie, um, and uh, it can be very scary for owners because their dogs are disoriented. They're falling over. um, They can't walk properly. They're not. um, They're not responding to owners, and so um, it's very very scary for them. um, And it's something that we see very very commonly. And so it can be things that are in your own house um, that maybe somebody left out. It can be things where a lot of people go out to the garage, um, and uh, you know partake out there, or you have friends over. in the backyard or something, um, but it is something that we see really commonly. Um, inside the garage, obviously all sorts of, of um, oils, um, um, antifreeze, those are quite big concerns, um, but people are generally pretty good about not leaving those things out. Um, so we don't see a ton of antifreeze toxicity um, anymore compared to what we used to in, in the old days. Um, and same thing with poisons. So. Poisons can still be very common, um, but they're no longer are warfarin poisons that used to be the common ones back in the day. They now have like second and third and fourth generation rodenticide um, uh, bait for ad- um, insects. Um, and the, they can cause similar concerns to the warfarin, but they are much, much more potent. So um, the worry about those toxicities is higher. Um, I definitely don't see a lot of rodenticide toxicity working in um, a city, but when I worked large animal or rural, um, we definitely saw a lot more rodenticide toxicities for acreage dogs because, um, of course, it's going to be something that you have out in the barn or out, you know, in the, the garage or the shop, um, whereas in the city, it's not as common for sure.
0: Safe to say, If it's poisonous and toxic to rodents, it's it's going to have yeah. a, a, an impact on uh, yeah. cats and dogs as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Fertilizer for your lawn—is that something that uh, can get cats and dogs into trouble?
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. So fertilizer um, can be a concern too. Um, again, you know, pets are not really out there munching on fertilizer all that often. I mean, maybe if you're out planting planting something in your backyard, putting in some new trees or something and you're fertilizing them at the time. Um, yes, absolutely. If they take a big um, bite of fertilizer, the higher um, the nitrogen content, it oftentimes the more toxic to them. Um, but usually for most people, if you're out just using your little fertilizer spreader um, and your pets running around the backyard, um, people are pretty good, especially with things like the green drop guys and stuff. Um, they're not gonna do it immediately. If you fertilize your yard, most people are very good about not letting their pets outside um, immediately after. So it's mostly in in, um, uh, more uh, public areas, and they usually put out little signs too, to just make sure. Um, A lot of places that do um, more public areas for for fertilizing and for weed control and things like that, um, they've gotten a lot better about making their products non-toxic to pets.
0: Uh, Any other uh, concerns, things that you see, recommendations you would make to pet owners regarding their their backyards?
1: Um, In terms of your backyard, so first of all if you have a a pet that's maybe a little bit more um, curious or uh, a pet that's a little bit more mischievous, um, they have lots of great Uh, fences that you can get for your plants just to protect them from your pets Um, same thing too in terms of different types of mulches Um, sometimes the mulch in your backyard might be treated for something so just to be cautious about that Um, dogs love wood mulch they love to chew on wood um, they love to to eat those pieces Um, so just being cautious about what type of mulch that you get Um, and then of course um, uh, unlike myself don't don't uh, go by my example when you move into a new house um, figure out what kind of plants you have in your backyard so um, when your dog is digging at them or chewing the leaves off or something like that then then you know what to expect so um, just mostly educating yourself and if you don't know maybe make a call to your local veterinarian just to see if there's anything to be
0: concerned about anything specific to cats
1: Um, Cats are are, um, a little bit smarter than dogs about eating things that they uh, shouldn't. So um, mostly cats are, um, they're a little bit more picky. They do love plants um, and they do love um, more rubbery things. So for cats, we don't tend to see as much toxicities for them um, as we do foreign body ingestions um, for things inside the house. But plants for cats is very commonly lilies. Um, They like spider plants, which are not Necessarily toxic um, and uh, outside it's mostly just grass but again you know if you've treated your grass or anything like that then it can be a concern. Um, cats are also um, a little bit nicer too and for some reason when they eat things out in the backyard like grass um, a high proportion of them will just come in and throw it up on the carpet for you so um, we, we don't see as many toxicity concerns with cats in, in that nature um, but lilies would definitely be any any of those types of house plants are more concerning Um, in terms of um, cats uh, they're they're a little bit scarier to treat because they choose to to eat the things that are the most toxic so whenever we have a cat toxicity they are the ones that usually end up here in hospital versus dogs are are usually a, a treat them and go home type of thing so it's a little bit different in kitty cats for sure
0: i read something one time about being able to tell if your pet throws up from the color of of the vomit being able to determine whether it's just them throwing up because it didn't settle in their stomach whether it was just food or whatever or something that's more serious is do you have any kind of rules of thumb on that one?
1: Um, for the most part, I would say, um, you know, anytime your pet vomits, it's usually abnormal. Um, you know, for, for the color, um, it depends. Sometimes they'll just throw up froth. Um, Sometimes they'll throw up bile, which is yellow in color, and that just means that their stomach has been a little bit more empty. Um, Of course, if there's any blue or green color in the vomit, um, those are a little bit more concerning because they dye um, mouse poisons and things like that those bright colors for for that purpose is so that we can tell when they come out one end or another um, that something happened Um, and then of course um, for uh, pets if their vomit has a really really foul odor to it like more than just vomit does um, and it's like a dark greeny or brown color then I'm always concerned um, because that usually means that things are not moving very well so um, that's a big concern for for vomit as well.
0: In the house, um, xylitol. Uh, Anything containing xylitol uh, is problematic. Explain what xylitol is and, and the things that might contain it.
1: You bet. So xylitol is a a sugar substitute. So it's one of our um, sugar alternatives, much like aspartame or uh, sucralose, Um, except xylitol um, is highly toxic to pets due to um, what it does to their blood sugar. So it causes them to go hypoglycemic or have very low blood sugar. Um, And those effects can last for days. Uh, And so xylitol toxicity can be very, very dangerous and usually requires multiple days in hospital due to the effects on on, um, their blood sugar. Uh, Xylitol is now commonly found in um, sugar-free gums. It can be found in um, sugar-free peanut butter or um, peanut butter alternatives like the powdered peanut butters and that. Um, So mostly if you're buying a product that has um, the the sugar-free label on it, um, just to be very cautious that if you have anything that contains xylitol. Um, That you don't make dog treats or leave it out so that they can get it out of your purse or off the counter or something like that because it can be one of the most expensive, um, as well as detrimental toxins out there.
0: Ticks and fleas are are a problem outside, regardless whether you're in your yard or not. In fact, they're probably more of a problem on walks, I would think, than they are in your yard, but it, it is something that you see on an ongoing basis
1: absolutely it's definitely becoming more prevalent um, as each year passes Um, and we're also starting to see ticks more commonly in urban areas rather than just rural environments so we are more concerned if you're going hiking or camping or if you live in a in a on an acreage that has a lot of wooded areas um, those are definitely more concerning tall grass um, but they are everywhere they're they're um, around all year but there's definitely a season where we see them more commonly which is um, spring through fall um, we are seeing um, a lot more uh, people who are aware of ticks and are taking precautions in terms of using tick preventatives on their pets. Um, I would say that uh, the majority of my patients this year have have elected to take tick prevention. Um, and especially too, I find um, with having COVID the last couple of years and people not really being able to do a whole lot, um, the the quality time that people have been spending with their pets, getting new pets, getting out and about, going for walks, taking them to the dog park, going camping has been coming, becoming a lot more common. Um, and so that we have a lot more pets in those areas for sure. Um, uh, outside of our provinces is, is a big concern too. So Saskatchewan and Manitoba are, are very prevalent for ticks. Uh, and we have people traveling there, you know, they've got family, you can't really go anywhere else. Um, so, you know, you visit your family or you, you go um, travel a little bit more locally and so um, a lot of those places do have some some tick concerns as well and so people are electing to to educate themselves and take tick prevention for for travel um, regardless of where they tend to be going.
0: Ticks are hard to see how uh, what what would be the indication that that the scratching that your dog may be doing is a tick?
1: Yeah. So um, for the most part, depending on the life stage of the tick, some of the the nymph stages are exceptionally difficult to see. Um, And a lot of times um, if your pet has a tick, most people end up finding them once they're engorged. So they're a little bit larger. um, They've had a blood meal. You feel a little lump on your dog, you investigate and that little tiny skin tag has legs. Um, And so that's usually, how we find them. Um, Some people will know that it's a tick right off the bat and they'll come in and and we'll have it removed. There is a free surveillance program available for ticks um, and that surveillance program just checks to see if they are the Lyme disease carrying tick and if they are carrying Lyme disease. So um, if you do find a tick, even if you take it off your pet yourself, you can always bring it in for free surveillance to any local vet clinic. Um, But uh, the people that don't take them off themselves, they will bring them we will remove them, we'll send them away um, and just make sure that there isn't anything concerning within them. So most of the time um, we end up finding them by accident. Um, sometimes they even come as an, in as an appointment for a check lump um, and then I discover that they have eight legs, um, mostly by accident um, as well, but at least the, there's usually good news with that is, is that I can cure that one that day, <laughs> lump removed. Um, but they are, are um, becoming a lot more, more common for sure.
0: Dr. James, thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, and sharing this very useful information. I know that uh, the, uh, lots of people will, will share the podcast knowing full well that lots of people will find this very, very helpful. Thank you.
1: You're most welcome.
0: There was a lot of information here and we've included this and additional info in the show notes section of our website, albertaspca.org news podcast. You may also be interested in our episode from last week titled Reptiles Need Vet Care Too, which can also be found in the same section of our website. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.